Are you an enthusiastic wine drinker but sweat uncontrollably over a restaurant list from Albarino to Zweigelt? Set aside your fears, relax, and start enjoying wine without worry. Here's your host, Jameson Fink. Standing at Kevin White Winery on a beautiful Woodenville day. It's about 70 degrees out. It's sunny, but I'm in a nice cool warehouse tasting some wines from Kevin White Winery. Uh, I just tried three Rhone blends and a Syrah. Well, two Rhone blends and a Syrah. And um, there's a lot of great Syrah and Rhone blends here in Washington. And a lot of people have a passion, let's say, for Chateauneuf de Pop or Northern Rhone wines like Cote Roti or Coronas. And um, Kevin, what inspired you to make uh, Rhone blends and Syrahs and those wines? That's your focus. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I approached wine early on as a wine consumer and a drinker. Um, probably around 2004, 2005, we started um, moving on from PBR to, to wine. And um, we went out to Washington and, you know, just in our backyard here and tasted some great wines. But when I started getting advice from other folks on you know where to go explore i just found um the wines of the southern rhone to be really seductive and um really tasty and so we we started focusing on just learning about wines of of um of the rhone specifically shot the pop like you mentioned and chagondes um we also went up and tasted through wines of the northern rhone um and when i say we went up we went up to Esquin or the the wine Uh stores that had a bunch of different selections um, and really really fell in love with some more higher acid wines because we we eat a lot of food we um, we make food and my wife and I just really enjoy wine with dinner Um, and so when we um, when we um, we found that that's that's really what I loved and you know I wanted to to start making wine I just you know decided to to make what I love Mm -hmm. and and focus on that Um, Found a d- bunch of producers early on in in Washington State, like um, John Moray at Maison Bleu and Greg Harrington at Gramercy Cellars, and tasted through their wines and and got to know them, and and um, really just kind of fell in love with with that style, and um, you know just started kind of trying to to make what I love and working on that and ident- identifying good vineyard sources where where I can get grapes that will retain their acidity but give good concentration of flavors and. And that's where we went from there. And full confession, I did enjoy a Pabst Blue Ribbon last night. Ooh, I still, I still have not moved on. <laughs> you haven't moved on. Well, we're still, we're, we're on to the microbrews also too. Uh-huh. You need a lot of good beer to, um, you know, PBR and microbrews to, to make wine. So yeah, especially after uh, like today, I'm out in Woodenville. I'm going to taste a lot of red wines, and mm-hmm. that that cold yeah. beer you have at the end of the day is yeah, always really, really sweet after so, all those tannins. Yeah, um, I think it's really interesting to uh, talk with people because. You know, like if you want to make wine, it's not like, you know, a lot of people are independently wealthy mm-hmm. and they can just chuck everything and start right, making wine. Right, I mean, most right. most people like you, yeah. and and myself too, we have a day job and then our passion is, is wine and we kind of shoehorn it in whenever you can. Um, how do you how do you you know have a a, a career, a family, and then how do you work being a, a winemaker into it too? What are, what are the challenges? How do you do that? Oh, the first thing is you have an extremely supportive wife or spouse. <laughs> uh-huh. That's the number one key. Um, yeah, my wife Stephanie has been, um, you know, she's been with me since the beginning of this whole adventure. Um, I think when we started the wine, I mean, it was a little crazy. We had, um, let's see, we started the winery in 2010. So that means we would have had twin boys that were about one and a half. Um, I had a full-time job at Microsoft and I wanted to go go down this path. Um, 
and you know, I just, you know, a bunch of people will ask me that, and I'll just say I have, I have my life, mm-hmm. um, and I have a fixed amount of time, and so you hyper prioritize, but you just focus on doing what you love and and loving what you do, and and that means, yeah, I get, you know, I'm, I'm at work, um, and I and I love working at Microsoft, and I love working on on Bing and, and data and big data, and I love the wine, and you know, you just you just you just find a way to make it work. Uh, you know, I wish there was a magic formula. I know during harvest, that's that's a little crazy. I'll take time off from work. I'll take a week or two or three off, um, and you know, and and you know, the group I work with at Microsoft, they know that you know I'm all in, um, and this is one of my passions too. And it, you know, it helps me be more productive there because um, you know because I. I'm I'm not just exclusively focused, and I don't get burnt out as much. Um, but then here, you know, you just you just find a way to make it work, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, and you have to prioritize family too. Um, you know, you can't get too bogged down with everything. So so during harvest, it's a little challenging, but we get volunteers and we get some harvest help, and um, you know, the rest of the the year, I, I focus on you know cultivating relationships with my wine club members and with the mailing list, and really kind of sell wine that way and have a local distributor and starting to distribute national so that um, so that I don't have to be out at the tasting room every weekend and can still be a dad on the weekends. Uh-huh. So. That's great. And we rolled through a, a Syrah, like I said, in a couple mm-hmm. of Rhone blends, but you yeah. mentioned that you've got a Cabernet Merlot blend to more of a you know, Bordeaux-style blend. Um, what... Uh, What's is there a, a, a do you kind of shift gears as a winemaker when you work with something like a Bordeaux style blend versus a Rhone blend? Yeah, absolutely. The Bordeaux blend is is it's a special wine for me. It's going to be a, a blend. It's it's a De Brule Vineyard blend, and De Brule was was um, the wine made by Cote Bonneville, which is the state winery for De Brule Vineyard, was the aha wine that I had that that you know really taught me as a consumer what what wine in my opinion was supposed to taste like um, and so although we're focusing will always be 90 percent Rhone we'll have that Bordeaux blend um, and that's really a you know it's a really fun you know fun wine for me to make and especially with the relationship and the history that that has with the winery but but as you were asking um, making the wine you know it's okay to have a little bore, bit more new oak on Cabin Merlot. Um, my Rhone wines are very minimal new oak. It's a spice. Again, it'll be minimal and that wine will only be 30 to 40 percent. Um, and, you know, I age the wine in barrel a little bit longer. I don't make the wine very differently. I um, There's a couple of things that I tweak here or there, but um, but we'll see. Uh-huh. I mean, there's, there's a couple of things that, you know, I'll do. I won't let it sit on the leaves for as long. I'll rack it a couple of extra times. I won't be completely anaerobic, meaning flushing all oxygen out of all tanks and all hoses when I make that wine because getting a little bit more oxygen pickup to soften up the tannins in the structure, especially the Merlot um, that I'm getting from Brule has a pretty good dose of tannins, which I think is incredibly helpful and, and makes the wine, um, gives it a nice long lingering finish. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make some tweaks, but, but I'd say, you know, I do that with different, different vineyards, even within the Rhones too, depending on what vineyard and the experience over the years, if I use more whole clusters versus destemming grapes, you know, what gets new oak, what can handle a little bit of new oak, what's going all in um, wood barrels. And this year we're going to start experimenting with concrete also. So we'll, oh, we'll, cool. we'll decide which, which Grenache will go into concrete vat mm-hmm. versus which ones will stay in wood. So. And then one, one final thing I'm really curious about. So you've got this Bordeaux blend, this Cabernet blend, uh, just yeah. sitting here in barrels. Yeah. When do you decide to it, it's ready to bottle? Is that science or taste or a little bit of both? For right now, it's taste for me. Um, everything I've done so far has been taste-based. 
um, to a certain to a certain degree. I mean, you know, you have to get it to where it's finished wine, but then after that, just aging it in milk barrels and a little bit of that oxidative process kind of continues to to soften the wine up. Um, but what I'll do because this is the first year that I'm making this wine is it's getting close. I'll bottle it this spring or early summer, uh, but it's really based off of taste. And after a year or two, um, especially since that's going to be a vineyard wine. Um, vineyard you know specific wine um we'll get into a pattern after probably about two or three years i feel like the rones right now are dialed in um vineyard wise and process wise and it'll just take a couple years for that but that's the fun part Mm -hmm. you know we get you know it's what makes each artisanal winery distinct and unique um because there's there's obviously a a a uber process that you follow but then you know you got to follow your passion and and what you're trying to make and and how it's supposed to taste um in your you know eyes and uh mouth mm-hmm. nose so well thanks kevin it's inspiring to hear um that you know no, no matter what you do you know people with families and careers that you can always find time to uh follow your passion whether it's wine or anything else so yeah. thank you for being yeah. on the show thanks man